Welcome to another David McCracken Ministries podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Thank you. Lord bless you. You can be seated. It's a wonderful privilege to be back in the house. And uh, I've watched Pastor Corey and Simone for many, many years. And I am so grateful that we have examples of people that have been able to be called by God, entrusted by God to take on such an incredible global and apostolic ministry without losing the simplicity of their hearts. And I am forever inspired, Simone. And I know Corey's got to leap on a plane right now, but I, I am so inspired by your lives because it tells us all, you know, that I think of that book, The Incorruptible Heart, that we may mention of. So many people are almost fearful of embracing authority and dominion in their lives because, well, I don't want to lose my gentleness of spirit. I don't want to lose my humility. But God is not calling us to lose our humility. He is calling us to, be author- to take the authority and the dominion of the Christ and express that to a fallen world. And Pastor Corey and Simone have for years now demonstrated to me that you can have both humility and purity of spirit and carry apostolic authority. And I love what you're doing with the um, Ephesians 4.11 five-fold ministry thing. I think that's fantastic. I think it's biblical and it will empower the church. I'm going to share um, the burden of my heart with you as a church, but before I do that, is uh, a young lady, one, two, three, four, uh, back there, fairish hair. You're direct, directly behind someone wearing denim, um, right on the, yeah, and you just went like that. Yes. Okay. Um, and uh, the scripture came to me whoever waters others will be watered themselves. And the Lord just began to reveal to me your selfless heart and that you are one that cares for others. You're one that will um, share the, the, the comfort of God with others. And I felt the Lord just say for me to speak a word to you, and I've never seen you before in life, but I, I say this to you. They'll, you'll never, you'll never, never be in want. Spiritually, emotionally, relationally, physically, financially. It's like Father looks after us all, every one of us. But for some reason, he gatecrashed this meeting and said, uh, I want you to tell her, I've got her back, I've got her future, she'll never be in want. Okay. Um, There's... um, You, were you in this seat? Yeah. You were over here, right? You were trying to confuse me. (laughs) But you were standing here. The Lord, this is funny, I, I didn't plan this, but the Lord says you're a master of diversion, and I'm not talking about this incident. Um... But it's actually a compliment. 
He's making you a master of diversion, and I never used the term before. And I see people who have, because of bitterness and anger of spirit, resolved to take certain action, which will be destructive, disastrous. And I see you coming alongside of them, and you're whispering in their ear. And it's not this big, loud, booming, you know, get yourself right. It was, it's, it's this whisper. It's just this appealing whisper. And it's like a last-minute diversion. And they veer off the course they're about to take. And God's going to give you a capacity to see what he sees and feel what he feels in the heart of a person. And just a whisper. Just a whisper. Because you discern the anger. You discern the pain that lies within. And that whisper diverts them from a disaster. God bless you. Um, let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, this morning that we have the wonderful, incredible friend of the Holy Spirit who is here, Father, to reveal your mind, your will, your intention to every single person in this auditorium this morning. We thank you, Father, that as we trust in him, that he will honor you and glorify you and Cause Jesus to be revealed truly for the king that he is. Father, we release our agendas and thank you for the Holy Spirit. Now in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I was up the back of the hills kind of walking with my father in a place uh, at Listerfield uh, that I love and just me and the kookaburras, the kangaroos, and my father. And it's my garden time. And I was strolling there and talking, and I, I remember just saying last week, Father, I've got to go to Numa, um, and uh, what, what would you like me to say? What would you like me to share? And uh, as soon as I said that, I saw the word decisions. And I walked a little further, and I saw decisions. This time it was much bigger. And then decisions, and it was like a thunder, and this huge big uh, neon sign, decisions. And so I realized that the decisions he was referring to were not everyday decisions, as important as they are. They, were, they weren't just uh, uh, mid-level decisions, but they were the big decisions that sometimes comes to every single one of us in life, Every now and again, we get faced with a decision that we know that decision has the power to change our future, to change our, our, our projectory. It's somehow, with that decision, no, nothing's ever going to be quite the same again if I make that decision, the biggie decisions. And that was what came to my heart and to my mind because I, I know something, and that is this, that the, the more significant the decision that God would have us make the greater the opposition there will be to that decision being made. Why? Because if we make a decision for, that's based on the Holy Spirit's voice to our hearts, guess what's going to happen? We're, we're, we're going to extend the kingdom of God and shatter the kingdom of darkness. When you make a decision by the will and purpose of God, it will have eternal results. And so Satan fears that and he will oppose that. Not with a pitchfork and horns. He will come much more subtly than that. He'll just try to divert. 
try to distract, try, try to dilute, try, try to get your attention onto something else. And so this morning I felt the burden to speak about decisions, but not just everyday decisions, decisions that can change your life forever. And I felt that every single person in this auditorium was going to face major decisions. And I pr trust that the next 25 minutes or whatever, 30 minutes, will actually help you in that moment identify the voice of the Holy Spirit. And also, um, I felt three specific areas of decision that this church would face. And so, I, I'm, uh, Father gave me a little glimpse over the next 12 months and saw three major decisions. Um, and the, one of them was to do a personnel Another was to do with the convictions that we hold. And the third one was to do with a major step of faith. By that I mean a significant step of faith involving a large, substantial, visionary, financial decision. Uh, my friends, I want to address those three in, in just a moment. But I want you to know that the principles that govern them govern every decision you will make. So th this is time for every individual, not just one or two. I want to open our time together with making this statement, that empowered decisions give us empowered results. You, you cannot have an empowered Holy Ghost supernatural result without having first made an empowered decision. It all comes back to a decision. Uh, uh, every miracle I know of, in my own life, over 54 years now preaching the gospel, and I tell you what, I've seen miracle after miracle after miracle, but I don't, can't think of one single miracle that wasn't the fruit of a decision. God does a partnership with man. The power is his. The decision is his. The glory is his. And yours is a decision. There comes a moment in our lives when we must decide that we will do what the Holy Spirit gives us to do. The fruitfulness of your tomorrow is determined by the decisions you'll make today. Everything comes back to the point of decision. Your legacy, that's a good thought actually. What is your legacy? What, what are you passing on to the next generation? What are you passing on to the people that know you? You see, the, what you leave behind in life will be the fruit of decisions you make. So here's the question I want to give you this morning. I can't think of a single question that is more uh, important, more powerful in its outcome. I can't think of a decision uh, and a request, and a, uh, sorry, that, that would be more significant in the outcome of God's purpose than this one question. It's a question you should ask yourself every single day of your life. Every morning you wake up, you should ask yourself this question. When you're going into a business meeting, ask yourself this question. When you're going uh, to make a decision that's financial or to do with personnel or to do with your family or to do with your children or to do with your spouse, ah, stop, stop. Ask yourself this question. Here it is. What is the Holy Spirit saying to me? Just stop. What is the Holy Spirit saying to me? Oh, I can hear all these voices. I hear all those voices. I hear a myriad of different opinions. But what is the Holy Spirit saying 
to me. It's a time to be listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. I'm often asked, well, you know, how do we make wise decisions? Let me give it to you very easily. Pause often. Pause often and listen well. Uh, you know, someone says, you know, I get into momentum in my day. Well, well, friends, listen to me. If you can't break into your momentum for about four and a half seconds to ask the Holy Spirit what he's saying, you are on a disaster course. We have to pause and listen. John chapter 12, 49. Jesus speaking, for I have not spoken on my own authority. See, this is what gave him his authority. That's what gave him his power. I don't speak on my own authority, but the Father who sent me, he gave me a command. What I should say, what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Oh, I love that. Because within that thought is supernatural, miraculous, indestructible life. When God speaks, it's an indestructible outcome. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as my Father has told me, so I speak. Jesus was always listening. Jesus was always listening. Friends, living a supernatural life, because I believe that's what we're all called to. We're we're called to be a supernatural people. Living a supernatural life, representing a supernatural Christ. But you can only do that if you are living a life of surrender, listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, because the only thing that God Almighty and all of heaven is going to back up is what my Father has told us to do. Back me up, Lord. Oh, God, I'm looking for a miracle. Lord, you're going to have to part the red waters. Well, I, why? So much loose, forgive me, but so many Pentecostal hootenanny Christians that I hear saying, God, you're going to back me up. Why? He's only going to back up what he has proclaimed. Either because he's put it in his written word or he's spoken it into your heart by the Holy Ghost and birthed it and conceived it within you. When you take what he has authored back to him, yes, he'll back it up. All heaven backs it up. John 16, verse 13. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, has come, he will guide you into all truth. It's so simple. Wise decisions. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Even the Holy Spirit has to stay listening. He listens to the Father's heart, picks it up perfectly, and puts it in your heart. And look at what he says. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me for he'll take of what is mine and declare it to you. So what does that scripture say? That scripture clearly says that the Holy Spirit will plant decisions within us and show us and reveal things that are actually future. I will tell you things yet to come. So, so we don't have to be an accident going somewhere to happen. We don't have to kind of fumble our way through life hoping that next week and next month work out okay. We don't have to be like that. We don't have to be like a ship without a rudder. We don't have to live life that way. And I can feel some people right now thinking, well, you're describing my world. Well, I've got good news for you. You don't have to live that way. 
the Holy Spirit has given to us to reveal ahead of time whatever we need to know to make wise decisions. And he will always glorify Jesus. I felt my commission this morning was very clear to give you principles that would help you make wise decisions, Holy Ghost decisions, decisions that all the heaven can celebrate and back up. Here they are. Number one, it will glorify Jesus. It's so simple. The Holy Spirit will never breathe something into you that will not honor Jesus glorify Jesus and cause other people to celebrate the wonder of Jesus. I didn't say this in the first service and I have no idea why I'm saying it in the second, but I remember just after I came to Australia 28 years ago, gee, I haven't given the story in over two decades. But I remember just after I came over to, from Australia to New Zealand, starting an itinerant life over here, leaving a country where I was reasonably well known, all that, starting from scratch over here. So any invitation was a good invitation, right? And this guy rings me up and gives me this incredible invitation to be a camp speaker at this wonderful big church, all that sort of stuff. And I was celebrating, particularly because I'd known the guy in New Zealand. We had been friends once before. And so it was all wonderful, except for one thing. Inside, the Holy Spirit was saying, no, 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 no. And it was illogical. It was unreasonable. I needed the invitation. But the Holy Spirit was just, no. So I, I, I said, well, why not? And so I was led to ring this person, that person, this person. And I rang and I found out that he had founded his church by bad-mouthing his senior minister over a period of time, winning the hearts of a certain segment of the flock and then starting his own church. And God says, you better not go there. And it was a really clear word. Why? Because it looked right, it sounded right, it was spectacular, but it did not honor Jesus. You cannot honor Jesus by splitting up his body. I had never said that. I haven't said that for a lot of years, but there you go. You got the bonus. I said one of the areas, specific areas for Numa, is the personnel issue, and I want to give you a guiding principle concerning dealing with other people. Your, your whole world has personnel in it. So number two guiding principle is it will be compassionate. Now, that catches you by surprise. It caught me by surprise as well. But the Lord gave me Psalm 86, verse 15. But you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in mercy and in truth. My friends, any decision that is given to us by the Holy Spirit will not honor, only honor Jesus, but will honor people. It'll honor those around us that he loves and cares for. But you know what? Sometimes we stumble over this because we have a misperception about the word compassion. Compassion is not 
a weak word. Compassion is a very powerful and a strong character attribute that sometimes is, is, is somehow misdiagnosed, as it were, because we confuse it with human sentiment. You see, the difference between the two is that human sentiment wants the, wants the, uh, the, the, the fuzzy warm for the present. It, it wants people to feel happy. It wants people to think we're really nice people. But what does compassion want? Let me give you what compassion is. Give you, here's the definition, if I could only but find it. I said this in a moment. You know, I, I think iPads are a wonderful invention, but I think they need to come in to surrender to the Holy Ghost. All right, I assure you it's down here somewhere, but I will tell you about it anyhow, okay? It'll be glorified Jesus, it will be compassionate, but I want to give you the mark of compassion. Here it is, wanting the ultimate good. Listen to this, wanting the ultimate good and well-being of another and being willing and moved to take action to bring that to pass. So one, it's not human sentiment. Two, it's moved to take action. It's the ultimate good of the individual. It's not the pleasant, the, the, the momentary pleasure of the individual. The, 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 that which is immediate doesn't consume us. We look through the eyes of the Holy Spirit to tomorrow, to next week, to a year from now, the rest of this person's life. What, what do they need to hear now that will bring them into line with God's intention and prophetic purpose for the rest of their lives? Friends, don't don't surrender someone's eternal destiny because you want them to feel good now. Je Jesus, Jesus was the embodiment of compassion. He was compassion. He could go up to a repentant prostitute and take them by the hand and smother them with forgiveness and kindness and love and acceptance. And he could turn around to his own disciples and rebuke them. I mean, sometimes quite severely. But he only ever had one thing in mind. What is the ultimate good for this person? What do they need to hear now? You know, I'm a very subjective animal. I was born in Ireland. I'm a sanguine. I'm prophetic. I'm romantic, they tell me. I'm creative. I'm like arty things. I'm in spirit type person. So you can't get much more subjective than me, right? And so when I first 19 year old come back, I am going to slay the world for Jesus. And, the, and I, I am the greatest thing on this entire planet since Moses. So, you know, and, and as a 19-year-old, I'm telling you, the world should have stood up and taken notice of this glorious thing that had arrived. I was 19 and I was filled with the Holy Ghost and I didn't know a thing, but I knew I was alive. And I tell you what, the first pastor I went to, believe me, <laughs> 
And all he did was, oh, you're wonderful, you're amazing, you're incredible. And every time he did it, my ego just went, dung, 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 dung. And then one day, my father says, oh, I don't like the way this is going. And so he then calls me to go to this church where this red-haired, red-eyeballed, steaming great... He was a mixture of Elijah and Mussolini. He was like, I, I, can't, I kind of think, well, you know, how on earth did he jump the New Testament from the Old Testament? You know, and I think, oh, God, help me now. And look, for the first 10 months, he ignored me. And I'd go home, I'd say, God doesn't even know who he's got. And over a period of one or two years, he sat me down. And he gave, me the, he gave me the treatment. Brother, how dare. For the first time he spoke to me, I stormed out. And I said, Dear God, how dare he speak to me like that? Two years later, I was saying, oh, God, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that somebody cares about how I actually turn out. And I look back and I thank God that someone cared enough to, 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 for my ultimate and I, 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 don't know, I didn't say any of those things in the first service, and it's taken valuable time, but I'm maybe, maybe there are people here that needed to hear that. Just maybe. <laughs> maybe. One of the decisions that every good leader has to make is when does compassion command care, and when does compassion demand rebuke? The other decision, the other areas, when does compassion demand a focus on the individual and when does compassion demand the well-being and protection of the flock? And when God, I want to say this to every uh, leader here, emerging leader, God will never, ever, 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 ever compromise his love for the body of Christ, his love for the corporate. The church is the apple of his eye, it's his bride. He, he loves the body, he loves the church. And there are times when sometimes leadership decisions have to be made about an individual in order to protect the body. But I tell you one thing, I have found in over five decades that you can never make a decision to love and nourish and protect the body that doesn't turn out to be the right decision for the individual. Because it's the same Holy Spirit that cares for both. True compassion will always be biblical. It leads us straight into our next uh, uh, principle. Read the convictions that we hold. Number three, it will be uncompromisingly biblical. And I want us to read uh, in John, uh, Revelation 3, 8. It says, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. Pastor Mike, Dr. Mike, and I had a little interesting discussion about that. He added some fuel to that, which was really was amazing. Um, and... Confirm what I'd been saying in the first service. Just read that. I'll set before you an open door and no man can shut it. It's not qualified. There isn't a demon in hell or a scheme of man that can shut the door that God Almighty opens for you. 
When God speaks His word of commission to you, when God breathes His intention into your heart to bring you to that point of decision, He creates an open door and a pathway to the miraculous fulfillment of that which He's asked you to do. And His declaration is, when He has done that, there isn't any force in creation that can stop you achieving God's goal. And you might say to me, well, well, my experience is different. Never confuse this. We live in a time-framed world. We live in a tangible, physical world. But the real war is a spiritual one. God is spirit, the Bible says. And so when God declares a will for your life, an intention for your life, a decision for your life, he does so. He declares it in spirit. And how do you receive it? In your spirit, by the Holy Spirit speaking to you. I want you to understand something. When God speaks something to you, when he asks you to do something, everything that is necessary to achieve that goal is instantly created in that moment and nothing can ever destroy it. A physical door. A physical door may shut. And you say, oh God, what's happened? This door's shut. I thought you said this was my open door. Hey, listen, a physical door may shut because we live in a very complicated world. But the spiritual door, the door of God's intention, the door of God's proclaimed a prophetic moment for you, that can't be shut. That can't be shut. And as you stay bold, as you stay strong, you stay resolved, guess what happened? God just finds another physical door to open so that the open door of his intention is realized in your life. But the actual declaration itself, no demon in hell can stop that. It's an open door. Once God says it, it's an open door. Why? Why? Verse 8 continues and says, For you have a little strength, have kept my word, and not denied my name. My friends, a little strength is a direct reference not, not to them being weak and anemic. It's a direct reference to their, to their perception of their need for dependence on God. And so it was, not, it was a saying here that, that when I see the enormity of what God has asked me to do, I, I, I feel insufficient. I feel so dependent. My human capacity to do this, I have little strength, Lord, but you have great strength. You have amazing strength. And so that's the reference here. It's not a reference to a, a spiritual anemia. It's not a re reference to being fragile. It's a reference to being dependent Father, I recognize my own frailty. I recognize I can't do what you've asked me to do, but I equally recognize that you can do all things, that the supernatural is a, it can, can be happen as I step forward in obedience and as surrender to what you've asked me to do. God, nothing's impossible to you. That's what it's a reference to. So it will glorify Jesus. It will be compassionate. It will be biblical. My friends, let me say this clearly because we live in a very confusing world right now. And I know, big crowd this size, I know many of you are being faced with some decisions because of, uh, because of social trends, because, because of pressure coming uh, about what you believe and what you're allowed to believe and what you should say and what you should not say. But I want to tell you something right now. 
We serve a king and we belong in a kingdom where his word and his word alone is truth. And if we do not compromise the word of God, he will come through for us. He will defend the righteous. It will always be biblical. Now, there are times when we are called to take major steps of faith. I I guess we take steps of faith every day or week or month, but there are times when we have to take significant steps. Steps that are so scary, but we know that the rest of our life will never be the same again if we take the step. I've known steps like that. Step to come from New Zealand to Australia. Scary. Step to a few years ago, about 16 years ago now, whatever, Margaret and I, as itinerants here in Australia, we're, we're breaking even every month. God was always faithful, but there wasn't a lot left over. And suddenly he speaks and says, I want you to build a prophetic team to touch nations and pay them all a really good salary. And I remember saying, excuse me, I don't get a salary yet. But you see, every word that's breathed into us by the power of the Holy Spirit, I know I'm speaking to people right now. Every decision that the Holy Spirit breathes into us has already created everything you need to fulfill it. So we stepped out, and I don't have another hour and a half to tell you the full story, because you can get it in my book. You did what? It, it, it's, 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 a, it's a fun story. That you did, look, I shouldn't take time on this, but you did what? Margaret gave it that title. Do you know why she gave it that title? I had all these experienced people trying to come up with a title. And Margaret walked into the room and said, if you'd lived with him for over 40 years, you'd know what to call it. You did what? Why? Well, why? Because that was, that was something she was very familiar with. You know, I, I would go up the mountain with God. I'd come back, yeah. And she could tell by the look on my face. And she would kind of fortify herself. And then I would blast it out and she would say, you did what? <laughs> and so that came the title of the book. But I tell you what, friends, it's not until you get off the end of the pier. It's not until you're in the territory where if God doesn't turn up, you're near your history. The, the, the safest place on the planet is total dependence on him. I better back, get back to it. The number four principle is it will always be courageous. It'll always have to, look, you can, if you want to live a safe life, Go ahead, find a rocking chair and do it. But don't expect to be full of destiny and fulfillment. If you want to live a life of supernatural reality, then you're going to have to step off the edge of the pier occasionally. You have to be willing to trust the God that said he would back up your future. Joshua chapter 1, verses 5 to 9, won't go there for time's sake, but it tells us again, 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 if you keep my word, if you listen to my voice, and if you be strong and very courageous. And then a little later in the same chapter to Joshua, he says, oh, let me remind you, Joshua, you're still listening? Yes, Lord. Well, be strong and very courageous. 
And then he gets up to leave the meeting. Oh, taps him on the shoulder again. Uh, I got a, a PS on the end of that. Be strong and very courageous. I don't know about you, but if I heard that three times in a row, I start to freak out. Because uh, why is someone telling me to be strong and courageous three times? Well, that's because God knew what lay ahead of him. And friends, my friends, listen to me. Oh, I, I wish I had another hour and a half. I could tell you some stories that would make your eyeballs come out a foot in front of your face. I tell you, because life was not created to be safe and mundane. It was created by God to be exhilarating. I, 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 I've lived this crazy, crazy, crazy life, but I've loved my life. Because my father has turned up again and again and again and again. But be bold. Be bold. Be bold. Finally, and this kind of wraps everything up, you'll always be obedient. I'll never forget a man once taking me out for dinner. <laughs> And to help him with his marriage. And we talked about his marriage for a little bit. And then he leaned back. He said, you've been praying about something and God wants me to meet it. And there on the spot gave me the, this was years and years ago, many years ago, gave me the largest sum of money I've ever been given in my entire life. I, like I was passing out. It was unbelievable. And I stared at him and I called him by name. His name was not Sam, but I, I called him that. No, I'll call him that now. I said, Sam, I cannot believe your generosity. And he went back like this. He says, I am not a generous man. I'm an obedient one. And I learned something in that moment. You see, the fruit of your decision is not whether others think it's generous or not generous. The fruit of your decision, if it's going to be eternal, is whether or not the Holy Spirit put it in your heart to do. We're not called to be this, that, or anything else. We're called to be obedient. After 54 years, I can tell you something. Living the Christian life is not difficult and it is not complicated. It absolutely is not. Here's the three words that you must remember. This is living the entire Christian life. Now I know that Dr. Mike can probably give you at least 46 messages on this, all biblical. But to me, it's three words. Here and obey. Two words. Hear and obey. Pay the price to hear his voice. Then have the courage to do what he says. Don't let it get complicated on the way through. I'm going to close with this little picture. Uh, when I was a kid, I remember this old radio that father or grandfather or somebody had, and it, it was really archaic, right? And it had three dials on it. The, the left-hand dial, you turned it on. And the middle dial, you dialed it to see what station you wanted to listen to. You've seen it in movies, right? 
and, and the third dial was getting rid of all the static and clearing up the voice. Now, my friends, you're, if you love Jesus, you're already turned on. You're turned on. If you cried out for the will of God, then you've tuned into the right station. But friends, there's also a need to get rid of the static. There are things, even though we want to hear the will of God and we position ourselves to hear the will of God, there are things that will complicate what we hear. Things like our own self-will or, or preconceived ideas or selfishness or, or desire for man's recognition and honour. Um, lots of things. Love of money. Immorality. Not just what a person does, but what they watch. Insecurity. Lack of trust. Friends, lack of forgiveness. Lack of forgiveness is a huge one. People that come before God, and they, are they genuine? Absolutely genuine. They want to hear from God. But if they've got a bitter heart, if they've got an unforgiving heart, then it's, it's, going to be, it's going to be like static. And what they hear is going to be distorted. So my friends, listen. Live a life with a fully surrendered heart. Live a life with a fully surrendered ear. I've got to close. If the Holy Spirit gives you a decision, and I see many of you making decisions even currently right now, then it will always honor Jesus, number one. It will be compassionate. It will be biblical. It'll be courageous. It will be obedient. My friends, empowered decisions will give you empowered results. I've got to close. But I want you to stand with me for just for two minutes. Stand with me. Because many of you are facing decisions right now. Many of you might be finding decisions in a business or your family or some spiritual issue. And there's one overriding question and that alone should dominate the next few minutes, but it should dominate the rest of your life. What is the Holy Spirit saying to me? So I, I just want you to forget everybody that's around you right now and take your issue to Him right now. Any of you facing decisions or, or sense an imminent decision approaching you, lift your heart, lift your hand in full surrender, an attitude of unconditional surrender to your Father's purpose. Maybe you have to lay aside your purpose. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Let Him whisper into your heart. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, let Him whisper into your heart. Pause often, listen well. Holy Spirit, what are you saying? Oh, I can hear what everybody else is saying, but what are you saying? What are you saying? Father, I come to you this morning, this afternoon, and we take every heart to you. Everybody in this auditorium is so, so important to you, Father. You love them indescribably. You accept them unconditionally. Let them know the wonder of your Father's heart and love for them in this moment. Father, I pray as they present themselves over the next few days with a fully surrendered heart, you might begin to speak to them 
wondrous things, amazing things, life-changing things, things that will transform their environment. Father, give them a heart and the ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying unto them. Fill our hearts with new hope, faith, and courage that we can be obedient to that which we do here. Thank you for this great church and the global impact and the global call that it has. Father, may the decisions made in this place have impact across the nations and across the generations. Father, we offer ourselves to you again in Jesus' lovely name. Amen. God bless you as I hand back to Pastor Raph at this time. Thanks for listening. For more content, head to our website, davidmccracken.org.